Well, Happy New Year, Mount Hope. We are about 10 and a half hours into 2023, and hopefully for you, optimism is still high that this will be a great year. And as your pastors, we got to thinking, how could we ensure that every single person at Mount Hope has an amazing 2023? And here's what I thought about. I can promise you that 2023 will be a great year if you can follow God's will for your life. If you're standing here in December of 2023 and you can look back on the previous 12 months and say, I did exactly what God wanted me to do, you will have a great year. Now the question is, how are you supposed to figure out what God's will is for you. Some of you are even wondering, I don't even know if God has a plan for me. I don't even know if God's will is for me. I mean, I know God does that for other people. He does that for pastors and missionaries and super spiritual people, but I'm not sure if he does it for me. I, wanna, I want you to know right now that God absolutely has a plan for you. And there is something within God's will for you this year. So the question becomes then, how can you figure that out? I'll tell you what path I've taken in the past, and maybe you've tried this too. I'm always inspired by the people who take the end of December or the beginning of January and write very specific, audacious goals. And I've tried that in the past. I've tried to figure out God's will by sitting down and writing big goals and then spending time in prayer and saying, God, would you help me accomplish these goals? But I got to tell you, and I'll be honest with you, that every single time I do that, I set myself up for failure. And so often that's how we go about trying to determine God's wills. God's will for us. We set the plans and then we pray and we say, God, will you bless what I am planning to do? I want to suggest to you this morning that if you're going to figure out God's will for your life this year, that before you sit down and write those goals, that you reverse the process a little bit. Recently, I came across a verse in Psalm 37. It's verse 23. And in that verse, uh, the author, he writes that the steps of a man, the steps of a person are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. And I thought to myself, that's really interesting that so often we create our plans and then we go and we ask God to bless them. When what the psalmist says is that if we want to have good plans, rather than make those plans, the first thing that we ought to do is to delight in the way of the Lord. And I was looking at that word delight, and when I looked it up, uh, the Hebrew word, one of the definitions that really struck me of that word is that to delight means to pay attention to. If you want to know what God's will is for your life this year, you need to delight yourself in the ways of the Lord. And to delight yourself in the ways of the Lord simply means to pay attention to God and what he's doing. I mean, how do you do that? It's the same thing that we talk about over and over again. If you want to pay attention to God, then you need to spend time in his word. You need to spend time building relationship with him through prayer. You need to spend time in the community of believers. And as you do those sorts of things, you will begin paying attention to God and delighting in him. 
as you get Christmas presents this year or the Christmas presents that you just opened, uh, the best gifts come from the people that pay the greatest attention to us. People that know us, people that live life with us and, and, and understand what we like and dislike and what we need and what we want. Those are where the best gifts come from. The people who delight in us and pay attention to us. They know us and so they know what to do. It's the same thing with God. As you build relationship with God and delight in him and pay attention, you will begin to understand what God wants you to do. And as you delight in the Lord this year, I believe that the Lord will reveal to you four things that will help you determine his will for your life. And the first of those is as you pay attention to God, you will begin to understand in a new way the gifts and abilities that God has given you. I don't know if you're like me. Yeah, I'm probably the only one who does this. But whenever I take a spiritual gifts test or any sort of personality assessment, I, I tend to take the results of that and immediately I go to the places where I'm weak and wish that I was better at those things. I don't know if you do that, but that's the first thing that I tend to do. And I found that other people do that as well. That rather than pay attention to all the strong points, all the giftings that I have, I go right to where I'm weak and say, Say, oh, I wish I was better at these things. I wish I was more organized. I wish I was more compassionate or whatever it is. See, when I read about spiritual gifts in scripture and you could go to Romans chapter 12 or you could go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and find some of those lists. When I read about how we're supposed to use our gifts in scripture, over and over again, God tells us not to pay attention to the places where we're weak. Not to try to lean in and build the gifts that we don't have. Rather, God says to lean into our strengths, to lean into the gifts that God's given you. And don't ever downplay the gifts that you have. One of my favorite verses about gifts is found in Exodus chapter 31. See, we tend, to, we tend to promote certain gifts within the life of the church and act as if those gifts are greater than the other gifts that God gives. But God gives great gifts to everyone and all of them need to function within the life of the church. And so we spend time wishing that we had a teaching gift or we spend time wishing that we had a, a, the gift of prophecy or whatever the gift might be. But don't ever downplay the gift that God has given you. In Exodus chapter 31, God has told Moses to build a tent uh, where his presence can dwell and where the people can worship. And in these verses, God comes to Moses and he says to him, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And look what God says. I have filled him with the spirit of God. And what does he have because he's filled with the Spirit of God? He has the ability and intelligence with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. Whatever gifts God has given you, it's the gift of hospitality or the gift of craftsmanship that we read about in Exodus 31. Whether it's, it's, the, it's the gift to, to pray for other people, to, to speak in front of other people, whatever the gift God has given you. 2023 will be an amazing year 
If rather than trying to wish that you had something else, you leaned into the gifts that God's given you. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he will make those clear. There's another thing that will happen as you delight yourself in the Lord, and that that God will begin to open your eyes to different burdens and needs in the world around you. I think about Jesus in Mark chapter 6, when he is in front of the crowd. It's a, Mark writes that when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like a sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. As Jesus delighted in his father, his eyes began to be opened to the needs of the crowds around him. And God does the same thing with us. God, as we delight in him, opens our eyes to specific needs of people around us. And it's different for for all of us. Do you know that thing that really bothers you that's happening in the world? The injustice you see? the unfairness you see, and you think that the church should have a ministry to fix that thing? What if that's the thing that God's given you to do? That rather than wait for someone else to come up with the program that's going to fix it, that's likely the thing that God has given you to work on. And you don't necessarily have to solve the problem for the world, but God will put in front of you needs and a burden to meet those needs. And your job is to go and do for one person what you wish you could do for everyone. As you delight yourself in the Lord, God's going to make gifts clear. He's also going to reveal a particular need or burden. And I can tell you as pastors, when ministries get started at the church, it's because people that have that see those needs, that have those burdens that God gives them, that they come and they say, I feel a desire to go and to work on this. We say, go and do what God has given you to do. As you delight yourself in the Lord and God begins revealing his will, it's going to come through your gifting. It's going to come through needs and burdens, but it's also going to come as God speaks to you through his word and through mature Christians around you. David in Psalm 119, he says these words that you might be very familiar with. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what I wish? I wish that when God revealed his will to us, that he shined a giant spotlight down the path of my life. And he said to me, this is everything that's going to happen between now and you reaching the goal. That's what I wish would happen. But do you know what God does? God uses his word. And God uses other people just to light the next step on the path over and over again. And as you delight yourself in the Lord and you're reading his word and you're in prayer and you're in the community, God will light that next step. And you and faith will take that next step and he'll light the next one. And if you're going to discover and live in God's will in 2023, I believe that's the way it's going to look. So rather than wait for God to show you a perfect end picture and every step you need to take, pray that God will reveal the next step to you and take that. There's a fourth thing that God will do as you delight in him. He'll reveal your gifting. He'll put a burden on your heart. He'll speak to you through his word and other believers. And he will also open doors of opportunity for you to step out in faith and do what he's calling you to do. 
As I thought about this, I thought about the words that Paul writes to the church in the book of Colossians. He says to the book, and Paul's writing from prison, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So Paul says, pray for the opportunity for me to preach the gospel. But then he also says this to the church, and he says it to you. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul says, pray for opportunity, but be ready. Live your life delighting in the Lord, because you never know when God's going to put the opportunity in front of you. As you delight yourself in the Lord this year, God's going to begin to reveal to you your gifting, a burden, he'll speak to you and open up doors of opportunity. And at the center of those things is the will of God for your life. The summer after I graduated college, I wasn't quite sure exactly where God wanted me to go next. And so I began to visit seminaries. You know, when I was in high school, I felt that God was calling me into ministry, but my public high school offered very few classes on theology and the Bible and ministry in general. And once I got to undergrad and I began to study those things, it became even more clear that this is what God was calling me to do. And after I finished school in undergrad, I felt like maybe God was calling me into seminary. I thought for sure that I was going to Chicago to a seminary called Trinity, but I thought I'd visit a few others. And when I stepped onto the campus of Gordon-Conwell, near us up in Hamilton, Massachusetts, God just began to put a burden on my heart. He said, this is where I want you to be. And I knew because of my studies in undergrad that God had gifted me towards ministry. That became clear as I studied. And then I had this burden as I stepped on the campus that this is where I was supposed to be. But something happened that summer of 2002. I took an internship at a church in Michigan, and it was a large church, church of about 3,500 people. And my job was to be the senior high youth pastor, the interim senior high youth pastor for the summer, and to start a college Bible study. So I was a senior high youth pastor. We had about 200 uh, high school students in that youth group. And we did all sorts of uh, fun stuff throughout the summer. And then I started this college Bible study. And I'll never forget it. Week one of the college Bible study, I sat in this big room in this big church. And exactly, I remember exactly how many people showed up. It's easy to remember because the number is zero. Zero people came on week one. By the end of the summer, 60 to 75 people were coming regularly to that Bible study. It was just an amazing summer of fruitful ministry. And then at the end of that summer, the leadership of the church came to me. And they said, we would like to pay you a full-time salary to be our high school youth pastor. And we will pay for your seminary 100% down the street at a seminary called Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan. So what was I supposed to do? When I stepped on the campus of Gordon-Conwell, I felt this burden. 
And now it seemed like the door of opportunity had multiple ways to go. So I went to scripture and I went to mature believers. It was either take a full-time job and have my seminary 100% paid for, or go to where God had put a burden on my heart and take out student loans. And I couldn't figure out which I was supposed to do. And I'll never forget, uh, one of my good friends in college, his mom, who was a mature believer, said to me, you can always stay here in Michigan. This is very comfortable, and you'll know exactly how it will turn out. But if you never go and see what God has for you in Massachusetts, you'll always wonder. And that was the answer I needed from a mature believer. And so I went. And here I am 20 years later, and I'm so glad I did. You want to find God's will for your life this year? Don't start setting goals. Don't start setting goals yet. Before you set those goals to achieve, pay attention to God, delight in him, and receive. Receive that gifting. Receive that burden. Listen to his word and to others. And watch for where God opens up those doors of opportunity. Be ready because he will do it. I don't just want you to take my word for it or just my story, uh, but some of the leaders here at Mount Hope, uh, we're gonna spend some time talking more about this. So we've just heard the definitive message on how to find God's, world, God's will for your life in 2023. And we've all, been, we've all talked about this, this concept and, and um, this diagram. And, I'm, I'm really, I tried to share a little bit of how that's played out in my life. And I'm, I'm curious to hear how it's played out in your life. Those windows of figuring out gifting and opportunity, uh, you know, hearing from God's word and other believers, and then that burden, that unique burden that God places on your heart. How has that worked in your life? And both in ministry and outside of ministry, where have you seen that, that play out? I mean, hopefully someone here has experienced God's will <laughs> in their life but at some point. At some point. Well, Pastor Brian, for me, I think it's played out in, uh, in, a, few, in a few different ways. Um, so when we talk about that, that diagram there, the four different things, I don't think it's ever happened one, two, three, mm-hmm. four. It's happened sometimes someone speaks something into my heart and God just reminds me that this is his, uh, his word, or maybe I'm reading scripture and suddenly something pops out and that speaks into my life. I remember when I was making, uh, you shared your story about going into ministry. And for me, it was a roundabout way that that happened. But for me, I think if I really paid attention, there were so many different times that God was presenting his will. Another piece I would say it's one thing for God to have his will, but it's also another thing to pay attention mm-hmm. and to discern, hey, God's speaking. And one of the ways he did that, I've been really blessed with having men and women of God who listen to God and who share that with me. Uh, I remember this, one of my pastors uh, growing up, he would, he recognized God's uh, talent or the, the, uh, the gifting in me I had not. And he encouraged me constantly saying, hey, I think you should step out and do this. Maybe you should translate for me or maybe you should uh, speak or uh, speak to the youth and, and things like that. 
there were those moments, but then there were moments where he would sit me down and say, this is what God has to say for you. And don't take my word for it. Go back to the word and see if it lines up. And we would read through scriptures and it felt, yes, this is exactly what God was calling me to. And so there was a time back in 2008 where I had to make that decision. Do I keep working? Do I keep living life as I was? Or do I step out and say, you know what? I don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to go back to school and, and pursue ministry as, as a full-time career. And, and that decision was one of the best I've ever made. And that led to all of these other things and to see how God had placed people in my life to speak that into fruition. Yeah. I think that listening to other mature believers is so key. I can't tell you how many times in my life where I'm talking to other people, we get this idea in our head that, that God wants us to do something and mature Christians around us will say, I'm not so sure that that's, that to that right now is the time or, or that that's the, th-. and, and I know for myself, I, c- I can be really quick to brush that off and say, no, no, but I'm, I'm hundred percent sure that this is what God wants me to do. And, and, or someone will say to me, God wants you to do this. And I'm like, no, no, you know, that can't be it. And we ought to, really pay attention to how God speaks to mature believers around us, right? right? Yeah, I think on that on that theme sort of that you were talking about, Pastor Marvin, about uncertainty, mm-hmm. I think God used a lot of uncertainty uh, to show me his will for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, uh, I'll just share one particular story of um, doing a, um, a summer in... Um, in college, uh, just to be close to Rosemary. At the time, we were just dating, and we just wanted to spend some time. Uh, we were long distance, so we wanted to be together uh, for a summer. We were getting serious, doing some premarital counseling, and I thought, oh, I'll just get a job, uh, you know, waiting tables or doing whatever. And um, you're talking about doors being closed. I applied to probably every restaurant within like a 10-mile radius of, of where I was living, and nothing was panning out. And um, I got uh, to a point where I was desperate and I needed something to, to fall into place. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be able to make this summer work. And I remember going to our pastor at the time and saying, uh, interestingly enough, his name is also Brian, Pastor Brian. I, ca- I came to him and I said, Pastor Brian, I am desperate uh, for work. I will clean toilets if it's necessary. Um, but I, I feel like God needs me here. And a few days later, there was the door opened to literally cleaning toilets for the church <laughs> facilities team. Uh, and there were lots and lots of toilets there. Um, and and that, that one thing just snowballed into the next thing. And I eventually found myself at a summer camp with the high school student ministries and uh, ta- sitting down with the pastor there, the high school pastor, and talking with him and him saying, hey, I know s- the semester's about to start. Summer's almost over. You're planning to go back to Arkansas. I was in California at the time. He goes, but I think God wants you to stay here. Uh, Here's my proposal is that I want you to basically drop out of school in Arkansas, enroll in school here in California, finish your degree, finish seminary here, and work with the church in California. And I I just, like in that moment, everything was uncertain. I didn't know which way to go. And so I'm going back to God's word. I'm going back to people that I trust. I'm uh, I'm, I, I, I'm at, by this point, I, I've known that God wants me to work in ministry and I end up with, yeah, this is what God wants. And so I go to California, I, I go back to Arkansas to pack up my stuff 
and this is a long story, just kick, stick with me, because Th this, was, this was unbelievable. And um, the last piece of the puzzle to fall into place was a place to live. Uh, God, so you talk about this Venn diagram, the things all started to come together, but this last opportunity piece of a place to live wasn't quite there. And the high school pastor just says, just, dr just start driving. Trust God and just start driving. And so I'm from Arkansas, I'm driving across. I'm getting one state. He goes, I'll, I'll give you a call when we find something. I get over one state, no call. One state, no call. I'm going all the way, and I make it to Those California. Those are big states. I mean, that's like 12 hours, There's no a lot call. of driving. Yeah. No call. It's not like Rhode Island, no call. <laughs> <laughs> and I get there, and it was about, it was about two uh, it was about a week before I had a place to stay. So I'm surfing couches. I'm, I'm sleeping in my car for a few nights. The, the running joke was that I was the, the homeless man that the pastor gave a job to. So he was really the hero of the story. But um, I think through that whole thing, God just told me that, uh, he, that I, I don't need an opportunity to be written in the sky, this sort of golden thing to fall into my lap with all of the pieces in place. But it was this idea that, like you were saying before, that he lights up one step of the path yeah. at a time. And so if I was just faithful to, to take that one step, that I could trust that God was going to find me a place to live. And he did. Um, and so now I have that story as a reminder for myself for maybe in this new year as God's going to call me into something that I can trust him, even if I don't have all the pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, and I think one, one thing I love about that story is I, I think sometimes we think that if God's going to open up a door of opportunity, that it's going to be just this, you know, massive, unbelievable opportunity or job or, or whatever it is. And yet the door, the open door was, was facilities team. And I think that that's a really important thing to remember. I mean, I think of, I think of, um, there's a, there's a couple in the church that attends in Belmont. They just have a burden for the homeless in, in downtown Boston. And for years, they've just gone and bought hats and gloves and gone out, just a handful of people, and whatever people they can minister to, they minister to those people, and then they go home. There's no, there's no massive ministry behind it. There's no giant mission statement. It's just for doing the bur taking care of the burden that God's put on your heart. And I think that there's a really important lesson in there that it's not always going to look like you're at the top of the world when God opens up the door of opportunity. It's going to look like God gives you the opportunity to influence one life right in front of you, and you go and do that, right? Or, get, or the door of opportunity is the facilities team. And I think that's, that's really important as you think about God's will for your own life uh, this year. And Pastor Rick, what are you thinking about? Yeah, I'm thinking that now I can offer people jobs even though they don't have a place to live. That's yeah, there you go. <laughs> just <laughs> you tell them to start. The legality of the Just tell them to start driving and sleep on couches. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I really appreciate this topic and the way you approached it, Pastor Brian, um, because I think I've I'm someone who has struggled with goal setting. I think year after yeah. year, you come to this time of year. And, you know, there's some people that are, they just set, they have pages of goals. They know what they're going to do. They checked off what they did last year. And, and I've always kind of wanted to be that person where I can set something and here's what I want to do and here's how it's going to get done. And then like last month, I'm flipping through my planner and I write, you know, I have a quarterly planner and at the front page, I write, you know, my annual goals and I switch them over to the next quarter. And I went to that front page and I was like, wow, it's already November. It's, yeah. uh, 
going to flip those over to next year. You have to, like, in heavy pin, write a yeah. three over that two. That's right. <laughs> it's like, these That's were my right. 2023 goals. <laughs> so I, I struggle with that. And then, you know, when you get there, then you, you have the choice. You're either going to feel like a failure, you know, yeah. which often is the case. You know, I just can't do this. Or, you know, you're going to just try and go at it again next year, you know. And I think what I've learned over the years, and I, this goes along a bit with what you were saying, is um, one is – I think sometimes I've aimed at the wrong target. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to goal setting, we can we got to be careful not to aim at the wrong target. We often set goals about what we want to do in the next year. And I think so often, if I, as I look at Scripture, the target for God is who you want to be. Yeah. And that delighting in the Lord. Do I want to be a person who is seeking God's face? Do I want to be a person of prayer? Do I want my character that I want? How is God going to bring that about? Um, and I, I, I've learned to aim more at that target. Um, who's the type of person that I want to be around the people I am in this next year? And the other thing I think I've learned that came through in what you were saying, Pastor Brian, is oftentimes we talk about the call of God. But in my life, I've learned it's more about God calling. And it's an ongoing, mm-hmm. developing understanding of the call in your life, right? I mean, when I was first felt a call to ministry, I was sitting in this room. The chairs were a different color. Orange. Uh, they were orange. <laughs> they were orange. The lights were chandeliers. But I was sitting in this room, not far from where we are now. And I first felt the call of God in my life. And I felt like just God was calling me to give my life over to full-time ministry. I had no idea what that meant. In my mind, that either meant you're going to be a missionary or a pastor. My understanding was that missionaries had to eat a lot of different foods. And I had a pretty picky palate, so I was like, God's calling me to be a pastor. And that was the determination for me. But that calling developed over the years. It developed over, you know, into being pastor. And then it was, you know, through, through trying to preach and gifting, so things got affirmed. And then an opportunity came up. You know, here at Mount Hope, when I was serving on the staff, Pastor Crosby, you know, got called down to serve at a university in Florida, and I was, the church asked me to serve as interim pastor, and I wasn't seeking that opportunity. In fact, just the opposite. I had really settled into really being the supportive person. I didn't really want to be. I, in fact, I was reading books on that. I was thinking, like, this is a great role. I don't want to be that kind of senior pastor. But God opened up an opportunity, and after three months of serving as an interim pastor, I was sure I did not want to be a senior pastor, and that was affirmed in me. Um, But then God worked. Wendy and I went away for Christmas break that year of 2006, uh, Christmas of 2006, and we just let the Lord speak to us and felt the Lord say, you know, if I've called you to this, you can trust me to equip you. You You can trust me to give you what you're going to need if I'm calling you to this. And that's, that's what we did. We said, we'll come back. We'll allow the church to let our name stand and, and trust the Lord in that. But even in becoming a senior pastor, as the years have gone on, the giftings of God and the calling of God has gotten honed even more and more to, and I think it narrows down and all of a sudden you start to realize this is what God has called me to, but it's a long journey. And, you know, I know there's some people that, like you said, they want that light down the hallway and they want to see it all at once. But that's just not the way I found the Lord to work in my life. That yeah. as you pay attention to the calling of God, 
Um, he'll call you into new places, give you new opportunities, put people in your life to affirm things, um, show you new gifts that maybe you didn't know you had, and then you end up in a place, a sweet spot is what I like to call it. You just end up in that sweet spot of ministry if you'll pay attention and continue delighting yourself in God, um, that he leads you to those places. Yeah, I think I, I love what you said about what the goal is in Scripture, that that, that idea that God's— that, that well done, good and faithful servant has a lot to do with, did you become the person I created you to be? Did you become more like Christ? And then did you act out of that? Not did you set a bunch of goals of what you were going to do for me and accomplish them? And I think that's a really important lesson when it comes to finding God's will. And I, I really like how you said that. And I think for me, that's why this Psalm 37 verse uh, really has struck me as I've, I've been thinking about the new year and, and where God is going to take us, that it's just about delighting in him, even setting goals for the church and where we want the churches to be and where we want the school to be about hope. It's about continuing to light ourselves in, our, in the Lord and trusting that he's going to order our steps. Right. It doesn't mean we're never proactive in things, but it means that our, our first priority is always delighting in him. I think that's a really important lesson in a world that's so, so uh, set on goal setting and achievement right. Right. as as maybe i don't know about you pastor Marvin, but as maybe as the one person who does do a lot of that goal setting right around the end of the year um that i think this is a, an, an excellent message for me to receive and i go back to as you guys have been sharing i think about uh galatians 5 where paul talks about if we live by the spirit let's keep in step with the mm. spirit that that uh, and I like that metaphor because sometimes we can set goals too fast. We go ahead of the spirit and maybe the spirit wanted to turn left back there, but you already blew through that intersection. Or we, we know the spirit's saying, hey, we're going to turn left, but we're sort of dragging our feet and, and, and really not uh, engaging with that. And so as somebody who, who I find a lot of value in reflecting on the past year and, and looking at what the next year could hold and somebody who wants to write those things down and come back to them. For me, the, the process is, and for Rosemary, both of us, is to try and keep in step with the Spirit, so, sort of see over the last few months, what's the direction, the trajectory that's been going? How is God changing us? And how can we keep in step with that work over the next, you know, however long? Yeah, it's good. Well, Mount Hope, for the last year, uh, you, you probably don't know this, but for the last year, the leadership of Mount Hope, church and school, has been doing all that we could to delight ourselves in the Lord and ask him to order our steps. And we feel, and I, I'll speak for myself here, Pastor Rick, but I know in our conversations, you feel this way too. We feel that God is is going to do something new in our midst. That the school has grown to about 350 students, which is an amazing blessing. Yep. But the question is, what does God want to do next with the school? And we have two fantastic, healthy church congregations. The question is, what does God have next for our church congregations and for Mount Hope? So we spent the last year with our boards and with the staff delighting ourselves in the Lord and asking him to order our steps. And we feel like we have some clarity on that. 
And so next week on January 8th in both Belmont and Burlington, we invite you to come and be a part of our services. The staff of each location will be up on stage together. We're going to talk about after this year of prayer and seeking the Lord, what we feel like his will is for us at Mount Hope. But we'll save that for next Sunday. As for this week, we encourage you to go and to delight yourself in the Lord and ask him to order your steps. And we're excited for what will happen as you figure out his will for your life.